Nobody fights with Jerry because you know the price would be too high. You might come out the winner. At his age, you might even lick him. But you'd lose an eye, an arm, your testicles in the process. Everything would be gone. <laughs> He's a throwback, a blue-collar guy, a dirt farmer. I know you're going to think I'm kidding when I say this, but I saw Jerry Sloan fight at the Alamo. I saw him at Harper's Ferry, and I saw him at Pearl Harbor. He's loyal. He's a hard worker. He's a man. Frank Layden on Jerry Sloan. All right. This is twos and threes. Um, This is Mark. Uh, That was my daughter Haley bringing us in with uh, really close to my favorite quote about Jerry Sloan. Um, I'm here with Doug as always. Uh, Doug, the last couple of days have been hard to process for me and people, people grieve in different ways and you grieve in different ways for different kinds of things and different, different people, depending on the level of relationship you have, I think. But for me, I, when something like this happens and someone that, you know, when we lose somebody that means something to me, I want to just be around other people that feel similarly and talk about him. And I've had that happen with several different things. And the most cathartic thing for me is to just talk about things and reasons why I like that person. And Twitter has been that for me quite a bit. I think on the day, you know, the news came out that Jerry passed away early in the morning and I just spent the day scrolling through and liking and retweeting everything that had to do with Jerry Sloan. Um, But I've been really wanting to talk through this with you and you know, what do you do at a time like this, Doug? Um, you know, we had other podcast plans for this week. You throw them out the window and uh, you call your dad, right? That's right. And uh, we've done that. So so our dad, who is, um, you know, sort of bestowed our jazz fandom upon us from, uh, from uh, when we were wee lads. Um, and has been on the podcast before. Um, we called him up uh, in Russia, Kai. Grandpa Kai, as Haley would say uh, here. Dad, how you doing? Comrades, hey, doing <laughs> great. We, it is awesome to be here. It's awesome and it's and it's sad. I feel the exact same way about Jerry Sloan. I I can't think of very many people I would love to honor more than than Jerry and what he means to basketball and especially what he means to the Utah Jazz and Salt Lake City. So well said. And I think one of the we're going to do a little format. I think we all tried to come with there's so much Jerry stuff out right now. I've been consuming everything that I can. And there's I feel like there's so many things that are fun memories and and things that I loved about him. But I just to have some semblance of organization, we are all came to this with sort of one Jerry on court memory and one Jerry off court um, memory to talk about. Um but what you just said has really struck me as just how broadly affected the whole like NBA world has been by this. And, and part of it's been consuming all the stuff around the team, but then other guys in the NBA, other players, other coaches, people that played with him with the bulls. Uh, I don't know. It's been, it's been really fun to see how, how much he affected everybody. Um, but I, I was thinking maybe we should just dive into this and then we can talk off of, off of each other's memories. And I was kind of thinking, Doug, that 
we would go uh, beauty before age here and start and start with you. Um, <laughs> I, I think that's fair. So I'll let you um, choose whether you want to do the game one or the, you know, an on court or an off court or however you want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've just kind of been reflecting um, and it's just so interesting. So a lot of the, the tweets um, on, on Twitter, obviously, because that's where you find <laughs> tweets, um, are like like there were some that we're talking about how it's just been a rough year, a rough twenty twenty for for sports fans, especially jazz fans, for a lot of different reasons. But I just thought it, it's just kind of interesting how it's a sad moment, but it's it's definitely different than than Kobe passing. What I like one one reason of course it's like a different relationship but jerry had been struggling so long with with his illness and it just seemed like he was in a bad place for a really long time so it was almost kind of like a like not as much as of a gut check as as kobe's was but it was like a happier thing too i don't know all all the emotions for sure but it's been cool to just kind of remember and relive some of the fun um, Jerry Sloan memories and just to kind of think of his, his attitude towards the game again. Uh, I've, I've loved to read um, different players from other teams' reactions. A lot of the jazz players have said some awesome, awesome stuff, current players and ex-players, um, just talking about how much they love Jerry. But it's always fun to see people kind of in national media talking about it um i saw chris weber talk about how he pushed over john stockton once and then um jerry sloan tried to pick a fight with him and was just yelling at him and um this one i saw and this was like years ago that i saw Kenyon martin talking about this on on national tv and and I and I just remembered it again, and then saw an article that's that um, CBS Sports put out about it. But um, it was when Kenyon Martin had just barely gotten into the league. I don't know if you guys remember Kenyon Martin. He has the kiss tattoo on his neck. Please but, don't. You're gonna ask me uh, if I remember Kenyon Martin. Don't disrespect me like that. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but and so there's a there's a video to this. Um, Kenyon Martin just like clotheslines Carmelo when he's going up for a layup and and Carl didn't like he he was shook he was shaken up and and he didn't say anything to Kenya Martin so he's really surprised but then Jerry Sloan just got in his in his face and was swearing at him and <laughs> was like ready to pick a fight with Kenyon Martin <laughs> but um it's just so fun to think about all of the fiery Jerry Sloan moments like Quinn we think about Quinn Snyder now because recency bias and, and his fun, fiery attitude and really just his dedication to the game. But Jerry, man, Jerry did it for 23 years. And it's just that, that Kenyon Martin and the Chris Weber story, just so fun to see. He was, I was kind of reminiscing on my own, own basketball career and maybe some things that were lacking in my coaches, (laughs) (laughs) but he had that fiery, just like, scary coach personality but at the same time he was the most personable and the most like stick up for his team 
I don't know. I, I think yeah. He he was the ultimate '90s, '80s, early 2000s. I coach. love that you said the Kenya Martin thing, just because um, neither of the things I have have to do with Jerry fighting directly. But there are so many good Jerry fighting things, like you said. And one of my favorite things Jalen Rose talks about, like sometimes on on Jalen and Jacoby or on his old podcast or whatever is like the guys in the NBA that are like, hold me back guys. Um, or when you get, it's like, he always kind of makes fun of how so many guys in the NBA act like they want to get in a fight, but they're really like telling their teammate to hold them back. And then like, once they're holding them back, they're like, hold me back. You know? So like the point is like, they actually don't really want that. Right. And I've been watching all these things in the past two days, but I've been watching a few of them before, as we mentioned on our last podcast, Jeremiah Jensen's been putting out all these, um clips from old jazz games uh on twitter jerry wanted that smoke dude i mean and part of that is one of these memories i heard of him he was on the bulls like him and nor i think it was norm van leer before he went to the bulls like literally went out into the stands fighting like fist fighting michael wilbon talked about this on part of the interruption like in the middle of a game like they got so bad they were in the concessions like fighting and then later they asked um like, you know, the Bulls wanted to trade for Norm Van Leer and, and they asked Jerry, like, are you going to be okay with him coming um, or, or should we not do this? And he's like, anybody who fights like that with me, I want on my team and uh, and told him to do it. And they, they were like the ultimate backcourt together. Um, uh, Tony Kornheiser and Michael Wilbon called him the toughest backcourt of all time. But in all these videos, if you look at his face looking, there's one with Rashid Wallace where he, he, he goes to pick a fight with him because of a cheap shot that he did. There's the Chris Weber one where he just takes a real lame cheap shot on John Stockton. And I still honestly don't think Jerry Sloan ever forgave Chris Weber for that. And, <laughs> and there's the, the best one ever. I don't know if you remember this one, dad, or if you've seen it, but where Dennis Rodman takes out Stockton and then they get in a fight and, or, and Jerry comes after Dennis. Oh yeah this is Dennis Rodman on the Pistons and then um, it all like culminates in Jerry Sloan blowing a kiss at Dennis later as he's looking at him and you just look at his eyes and that dude was not a hold me back guy. He was going to go and he was ready to throw down. No, I, I remember every one of those moments that you guys, that you guys talked about. And I mean, just to see his face in those game time situations, you knew he wanted to be out there and he wanted to be throwing punches. I mean, he, he protected, he protected his turf and he protected his people. And, and there was no rules. I mean, you just protected your people. And that's, I think that's what everybody loved about it. Yeah. And I've heard of a couple of quotes. I can't remember which one it was. I think maybe it was the Rashid Wallace one where later he was like calmed down and out of the moment and not so, you know, and he acknowledged like he was, you know, just caught up in the heat, but he also didn't apologize for how he was. And so it's like, I don't think he carried bad blood on with those guys either, other than Chris Weber for some reason. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was, I don't know. It was the best. Well, that, that was a good one, Doug. I don't know. Did, did you have another thing either on or off the court that you wanted to do, or I can jump into one? Yeah, I have to, well, I have some off the court, like um, some Jerry Sloan quotes that the Trib posted that I thought were pretty funny. Give them to us. Okay, so I thought these were especially good because they're about early years CJ Miles, and CJ Miles has been on Twitter 
just going super hard about talking how much he loved Jerry Sloan um, and like like going after anyone that says anything bad about Jerry Sloan, which is it's been cool. awesome. He's like on but, a vendetta and I love yeah. every second of it. But uh, I just thought I just read these quotes and I thought it was so funny because it literally just put me back to early CJ and just hilarious Jerry Sloan stuff. But it says, um, this is what he he was saying that CJ Miles probably said after a good game, like CJ played a good game. He said, he's probably saying, why haven't I played all year? I was asking the same thing. <laughs> that was good, yeah. <laughs> I, I just thought that was funny. Because I mean, CJ was so off and on that I'm, that's why he never played. Yeah. But, um, and then um, he said, on CJ Miles after a bad game. I mean, I don't care if he's 19 or or 30. If he's going to be on the floor in the NBA, he's got to be able to step up and get after it. We can't put diapers on him one night and put a jock strap on him the next night. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. so good. It's been those, fun. Those yeah, no, it's been fun. Uh, CJ Miles, Ronnie Brewer, Paul Millsap, and then on back with, you know, Daryl Griffith, has said something on Twitter. I mean, Ron Boone's talked about him, but it's been fun hearing all these guys. And, and to your thing before about Kenya Martin, it's kind of fun that these guys who, who he got in an altercation with, they seem to like all have just respected and liked him more. But I, I loved, I, I, I loved here. Cause I would have thought of anybody. CJ miles was maybe one who left with, with a bad taste in his mouth. Right. Cause their, their relationship right. seemed up and down. He was kind of like, the 2000s version of what Chris Morris was for the jazz in the nineties. Uh, I know dad, you're with me on, on this reference a little more <laughs> because it was like the guy where like, you think like Jerry doesn't trust him, but then all of a sudden he's playing like the whole fourth quarter in a huge game and comes up huge. And, but at the same time, then he's like a complete no show for like two weeks or something. And, uh, and it was cool. And I thought, like Deshaun Stevenson I've heard a bunch of times talk about how he learned to play defense from Jerry Sloan and he had a long career in the NBA because of Jerry Sloan um so I don't know that was that was uh, it's been cool to see those and I, I love those two quotes um for my thing uh, for my on the court thing this is the cliche moment I'll tell you guys I, I went through so many so many different memories and thinking about like, I should be talking about some rando uh, regular season game from 1998 or something. But I, I just kept coming back to, I think I am, I mean, we're fresh off the last dance and I'm fresh off a lot of thoughts about that, that, that we were going to talk about otherwise. And then this happened and I'm just like the age demographic that was that, that was my time, you know, as a kid, where sports was everything and so special. And for me, it was 1997 game six and watching him run on the, or sorry, game six of the Western conference finals, John Stockton hits the shot. Um, and just to see Jerry Sloan run onto the court. Um, my favorite sitcom is scrubs. I think I've told you both this before, but I love the show scrubs and I love the character, Dr. Cox. And he's kind of a Jerry Sloan kind of a person, <laughs> hard nose, uh, demanding, but every you love him throughout the whole thing because he's so committed and cares so much. Like his care factor is so high. And 
they had like two endings to that that show one after they switched networks that i just don't even count but the one that was like the real series finale there's a part where you know he has a relationship with this with the main character and he's always kind of cold around him but they you can tell he likes him and while he's standing there there's a part at the end where he lets his feelings out about about the main character in the show and it's it's just because he's this gruff guy and he lets his guard down and you just love him for it and that's what jerry sloan running onto the court like he was 12 years old like i was was at that time because i hadn't seen him be like that you know, you hadn't seen Jerry Sloan give real emotion like that. And uh, it's the best. And I watch it now and it's the best. And every time you hear John Stockton sends the Utah Jazz to him, you know, in that high pitched call, which is perfect. And then Jerry runs out. And uh, I just I just loved I mean, I loved the raw emotion that he had there. And my kind of off the court thing ties to that, too, because. I've talked about it on this podcast before, but when Jerry Sloan retired, it really hit me hard. <laughs> I feel like I've mourned him twice, kind of. I mean, I've, I've said on this podcast and I've said before, it was like I told my wife, Kristen, that I felt like when another real prominent person in, in my life had died, I felt the same because it felt like such a loss. And that was silly, but that's really how I felt because I felt such a connection to him. And when he retired... I was just didn't know if I was going to, if he was going to be part of my life anymore. So I, I felt like I was mourning. Unfortunately, he was around still. Um, but I thought um, one of my favorite things about him in, in the retirement sort of press conference, they, Phil Johnson said his, who retired with him, which is just really cool. And maybe we could get into that separately, but um, he said, you know, they asked him if he had any regrets and he said, I just wish we could have won a championship for the for this state and and jerry was like look i don't have a regret about that i'm, I'm paraphrasing now but i remember this really well and he's he's like we he said the thing to me was when we came back and fought and got back to, in 98 after losing in 97 and the character that that took and i'll always be proud of that type of a thing and one thing that's kind of stuck in my mind, sorry, I'm going on guys. I'm going to let you jump in now. But one thing that's been going on in my mind after watching the last dance and this is just how much I love that team and how hard it is. I, Tony Kornheiser, I'm part of the interruption said this thing that I watched yesterday talking about Jerry Sloan. He was like, in Utah, you have to coach. You're not getting free agents. He had the two superstars and they got a great third piece in Jeff Hornacek. And I've heard Jerry talk about how, you know, he's got this great quote other times, like you can't win the Kentucky Derby with a jackass. You need some thoroughbreds. And he was, he's talking about how, when I heard him talk about that, he was saying that Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert were thoroughbreds. But the thought is just, it's hard as in a small market team to get there. Like so many of these championships are won by the Lakers the Celtics, the Bulls, and and the Heat. Places where free agents went, Jerry churned them out. And I don't know. To me, it's just like I want to live my life that way. Um, I want to control. You get control what you can control, and you put forth a good effort, and you feel good about that in the end. And uh, to me, he's the best coach uh, to ever coach in basketball. Simple. 
Yeah, I, I, I love two of the things that you said. Um, that when they won that game in Houston, that game six, and Sloan runs out on the floor, there's a picture in the media of, of I think it's Stockton and Malone and Sloan. And there might be another player there too. But Sloan has got a smile on his face that never did you see on his <laughs> face in, in a basketball game. I just, I just thought it brought out something in him you you just didn't see very often whether whether the jazz had a great victory usually he was madder in the press conference after a great victory complaining that the guys didn't play hard enough or or they didn't play that well you know he just he just wasn't a smiler and he just just wasn't a happy guy or showed a happy face but in that moment that was that was an awesome moment yeah do you yeah i think i've said this on this podcast before and this is my memory anyways but I had I'm I remember having to go to bed and the jazz were down and you waking me up. We lived in Argentina, it was, it was late, and you waking me up and bring me back as John Stockton went on that last two minute run. I watched running up those stairs to your bedroom. I have two I have two memories like this. One, I, I grew up a Braves fan. The Braves were in the playoffs and Fred McGriff was up and they were down, but like there was runners in position, scoring position, and it was like this is the Braves chance to to come back and take this game and like Fred McGriff had been in a slump and you're like, he's due. And I went up and we watched him strike out. And then two <laughs> was this where John Stockton came through. And uh, yeah, the, I, I know the same picture of, of those guys hugging on the court. It's uh, it just doesn't happen now. Everybody's so, so impatient um, in professional sports. And the fact that they fought that long and that hard and, to me, sure, there, there's just so much. If you go back, more than ever, you go back in that series and you're like, the combination of Dick Bavetta just being blind on two terrible shot clock violations <laughs> and a couple other breaks of the game. Um, I don't get too worked up about the Jordan pushing off thing because if you watch Carl Malone's screen on Clyde Drexler when John Stockton hits the shot, I mean, maybe we had that one coming because he bear hugs yeah. him and runs him off the court. But... It just they're small breaks, but to get to the Western Conference Finals five years out of seven, to get to the finals two years in a row, and I'm going to give some stats for he was the winningest. It was the winningest franchise from like 1988 to 2003. Um, it's really incredible, and the coaching he did in the year after they retired, really incredible. So um, those were those were my two though. Uh, Dad, what did what did oh, you yeah. have? I, I have a couple comments, and then I want to come to that, you know, probably the, the year that you were just going to refer to. But I, I remember when when the Jazz came to Utah, and it would, the NBA just was not that big of a deal back then. And Hot Rod Humbly would come on the last five minutes of the 10 o'clock news on sports and, and would talk about the game. And then they would show, they would, they, they would do a tape relay, uh, you know, of, of the NBA game. I mean, it, they weren't those games live back it's incredible. then. Incredible. And but I remember when Frank Layton, who was always the face of the Jazz, even when Nasalki was the coach, because he was he was such a good PR guy. When they when they let Tom Nasalki go, and the Jazz the Jazz just weren't winning, and Frank Layton became the head coach. I, I don't think the first year, but I think the second year they just started winning, and they, they had a couple of good pieces. They had the golden griff and they had Dantley and, and they started winning games 
And and I just loved Frank Clayton. And I remember the night that they hired Jerry Sloan as an assistant coach. And he had been fired from Chicago. They had had some good seasons. They had gone through three or four bad seasons. So so they let him go. And Frank Clayton was just gushing over Jerry Sloan. And I really didn't know him that well. or I knew he had been a player. And then the next year, the Jazz are off and running. Frank Layton has them winning. And she says he's stepping down. He's just going to be the general manager. And he turns it over to, to Jerry Sloan. And I remember at the time thinking, what? what's he doing? I mean, is, is Sloan going to be good enough? And and it's history. I mean, he just, he they, they, they collected some more pieces, Stockton and Malone. Um, and, and the pieces just seemed to work and, and it was just fun to watch them play. But I, I still remember those nights when they announced on the news that they had hired, they had hired Jerry Sloan as an assistant. And then when Layton said, I think he was just the general manager, might've even been the president at the same time, but he turned it over to, to Jerry Sloan. And that season, I, I, I don't know the stats, but I know he, he had a winning season on top of what Frank Clayton had already started. But besides the championship years, I think my favorite Jerry Sloan year, and, and this was probably not the year they were going to give him coach of the year, but he should have won coach of the year. And it was talked about so many different years that, you know, Jerry Sloan had earned it and people would complain that he had the thoroughbreds, you know, he, he was winning because of the, the two or three thoroughbreds that he did have. But, you know, he was just an excellent X's and L guy. But I think it was 2006, 2007, or 2005, 2006. I think it was 6, 7. They ended up 41 and 41 and just outside of the playoffs. They hadn't been in the playoffs for two years. And and it came down to, I think, the last game of the season. I think it was between them and Denver. Um, but he ended the season 41 and 41. And except for Andre Karolinko, who, who walks on water here in Russia, He's, he's <laughs> Russian, the Russian he does on jazz stuff. Twitter too for for Doug's generation for, for what it's worth. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's fun to talk to Russians and bring up Andre Karolinko. It's, everybody knows him. But except for him on the team that year, because Stockton had already retired, I think it was the first year Malone was was in uh, was in uh, LA. LA. And I don't know that you could name ten of or the, the, the seven or eight players in rotation other than Karolinko. But he finished that year 41-41, and 41, and and it was masterful. I mean, they should have been at the bottom. They should have been nowhere. Yeah. But that guy, he just always fought. I mean, he just fought, fought, and fought. And I remembered at the end of that year, even though they didn't, the record was 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 deuces, I thought, he earned, he earned coach of the year. And, and I he might have even coming second or third that year. I can't he remember. was second because I can he tell you, Dad, I, I was – you've said this all perfectly, and I have I was as angry about anything. I, I've never been as more angry about anything because they gave it to Hubie Brown for, for getting that trash Memphis team, like, one into the playoffs. And, they won it. and it was – at the time, I was so mad because it was like, okay, you didn't give it to them in 97-98 when they had the best record in the NBA – and you don't give it to him now when he, when they like, cause that year, all the time they'd give it to like Doc Rivers in Orlando for winning 500, <laughs> for being 500 and all this crap. <laughs> and then finally, Jerry, Car- Carlos Arroyo was the point guard. 
Matt Harpering was the only other good player on the team, as you were saying. Oh, and he was hurt. He was hurt for 50 games, though. I, I just I forgot it. So he missed most of the season. So yeah, it was Andre Karolinko, like Carlos Arroyo. I, I can't remember if Raja Bell was on. It was. Yeah, I don't, yeah, it, I don't was a, it was. It was a dumpster fire. No offense to all those guys, whom I love all of them, but I'm just saying, to cobble together a 500 record and be knocking on the playoffs, then, yeah, that was that was a travesty. And then of course, when he takes a, a too young, uh, a team that everybody didn't think was ready in Darren Williams' second year that far, they don't give it to him. Then I don't know. The whole thing is just a travesty. Yeah. No, I. I, I thought he earned it that year, and I and I wanted it more for him than, than any other year. And then you mentioned something else that this is kind of a weird emotion because when he retired, I felt the same way. I couldn't even believe it. I couldn't believe that Darren Williams. I think it was all in the same week, or it might have been the same day, but or within a couple of days. But Darren Williams gets traded, and Jerry Sloan retires. And I thought, oh, I mean, I I couldn't believe that, but. The other weird emotion I had was a year or maybe two years after he retired, he interviewed, I think, for two different teams. It might have been Charlotte. It I seemed like this. he interviewed for another team. Oh, I don't remember this. Cheering, just cheering for that guy. I wanted him to coach again so bad. And Me too, but I did not want him to coach for Charlotte. I wanted him to go, <laughs> you know, I, I, but I remember because it was like Michael Jordan, like showing it respect, basically. Jordan, and it was somebody else. But you wanted him to go. I mean, if the Pacers were knocking on the door and take that team or something, or frankly, just give him like I would have never put him on the Lakers. But you wanted him to have a Kobe or something just once instead of going. But I I, I felt the same I, as you were talking about Frank Layden talking up Jerry Sloan then. I couldn't help but have a shadow memory of Scott Layden talking up to Tyrone Corbin when Jerry retired in the middle of the season. <laughs> and, uh, uh, we love Scotty, but uh, not quite the same results there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, when, when he retired too, I, I mean, I left this part, but I was like, I was so in on that team and I loved Darren Williams so much. He was my favorite player in so long. And Earlier in that season, they were on a good run. And I remember an interview with Jerry just talking about just gushing over Darren, how he's had sort of more mastery of the game than ever. And it's interesting if you look back at his Hall of Fame speech, he mentions Darren and Carlos, among others. This was before that he was still coaching at that time, before the whole retirement. So it was it was such a devastating loss, what it felt like in the family and one of the things that I'm most happy about is just that they kind of reconciled. I mean, I don't know the details total, but Darren and Jerry got together in the last year or two and talked it out. And Darren talked about it on Instagram and Twitter now and stuff. And that's, you know, CJ miles getting frisky on Twitter was because uh, somebody who, you know, well, Doug Gottlieb, let's just say it again, once again, yeah. being a jerk and talking about, you know, talking out of school about Darren and Jerry's relationship on the day that Jerry dies. I, I, I said something to him on Twitter that I don't regret, but you guys probably wouldn't be proud of. And <laughs> I just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad that that relationship reconciled um, because it, I, I love both those guys so much. And, but, you know, but uh, yeah, Jerry's the best. Okay. I got to make yeah. one more comment and it's about Darren. And, and and this is this is a classic Jerry Sloan. And why don't you guys look up the name because I cannot remember his name right now. But I used to talk about him all the time when I lived in Belize. But Belize Belize has one NBA player, and 
his parents are Belizean. I don't think he ever lived in Belize. But um, is it Rajat Bell? What is it, Rajat Bell? Who is it? No, not not Rajat. But in that time era, any era when when um, Darren Williams was a rookie. Class what about Milt Palacio? What? Milt Palacio? Milt Palacio, that's right. Milt Palacio started most of that season over Darren Williams. Darren Williams was the most talented guy. Even his rookie year, he was the most talented guy on, on that bench, on that team. But Jerry Sloan would not start him. Unless it was a rare, rare occasion that rookie year. Rookies just did not start. He, they had to earn their minutes. And honestly, Darren Williams, I think, would still be playing NBA basketball if Jerry Sloan been his coach all those years. He, he, he just disciplined these guys and he taught them things. Yeah. And you already said it, you know, Deshaun Stevenson and different ones have said, you know, they, they had a short period in Salt Lake, but, but they learned from, from Jerry. And I, I just think, I think he'd still be a player if Jerry would have kept coaching him. But he just, he, he wouldn't play. I, I remember at the time it was either Hot Rod or uh, I, somebody else on the radio saying, why in the world is Milt Palacio starting <laughs> over Jerry? I, I think he's even said, though, Jerry even said later, like he, he should have played him more. Uh, but I, Darren admitted readily that it was a huge hit to his career to leave and not play in that system anymore. Oh. And I mean, I think objectively that was the case. Also, his body started breaking down. But it joins the long list of guys like Shandon Anderson, Howard Isley, um, who who got big contracts to go elsewhere because they're in the system and then never really did anything. And um, there was a I mean, there was a long list of them in the 90s. But um, I mean, Darren didn't go and do nothing, but he went from being one of the handful of best players in the league to it's it's remarkable to me that he's not in the nba right now um but i'm with you if i think yeah, if he I, stays with Jerry, i agree i agree yeah. he still should be playing did you have another another no, thing? Go, go ahead yeah i mean there's just so much i, I let me let me say this one jerry quote that, that's about the point i was making earlier about them trying when they did make the finals he said these guys have been criticized the last few years for not getting to where we're going but i've always said that the most important thing in sports is to keep trying <laughs> Let this be an example of what it means to say it's never over. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I really think it's cool. The other thing I just kept thinking about is this. Um, we grew up, we, during a, a lot of the Jerry Sloan run, we're living outside of the state of Utah and outside of the United States. And when you say you're from Utah, there's just several things that people think right off the bat. And I was always happy that one of them was about the jazz. Um, people talk about me, but I was thinking, Dad, when we we were living in Argentina, I think, and we came back, uh, we were going back home to visit family and stuff for the summer, and we stopped in, in Orlando. We went to Disney World, and it, I think it was right after the Magic and Rockets were in the finals. But I just remember, like, being in a line for a ride or something, and we're getting in, and the guy's like, where are you, where are you guys from? And I was like, we were like, Utah. And he's like, the Utah Jazz. Stockton, Malone, Sloan, or whatever. And I was just like, I don't know. I was, it just, it meant, it meant a lot to me that those guys, and I heard Jalen Rose talking yesterday too in one of the many tributes that I was watching. And he was just talking about how this doesn't happen so often now. And 
where the team really had an identity and it had an identity because of him and the identities frankly carried over. I think Quinn, certainly Quinn is way more uh, willing to have his team shoot threes than Jerry was <laughs> as is the whole NBA, but the toughness and the grit and the, and that's the thing is just like, you heard all these guys in the last dance, like the reporters, David Aldridge, um, cost all these people talking about what Utah was like, Mike Wilbon. And there was an identity and it was tough and it was respected. And, you know, one of my social media things, and maybe we can jump to that in a second, was just about how, like, you know, the Spurs try to model themselves after this franchise. And I don't know. I mean, his, his influence was really vast. And uh, I, I, I got to give one more comment, and, and especially about his influence. I, I think the fact, I mean, in those early years, all he talked about was going back to the farm. And you mentioned it, that he was a he was a dirt farmer. But I think he really endeared himself to to staying in Utah. And after his his wife passed away, and he remarried, and and basically made his life in in Utah. That I, I think the fans just loved him all the more for that but I, i've got to tell you last last well probably about six months ago i was in istanbul i was in turkey and i was eating lunch at this outdoor cafe with with my russian work associate and the guy comes up looks at me in his broken english asks where i was from and i told him salt lake city utah and he looks at me and he goes Mehmet Okur. He goes, <laughs> he goes, Utah Jazz. It is broken English. And I just, what, just what you said about, you know, announcing where you're from and people identify with the, around the world. And, and that, that happened. I mean, Jerry Sloan helped form that and he helped create that. Yeah. And anyway. No, guy. I was going to say, and, and, I think sometimes you'd see this on jazz Twitter for sure. The jazz fans bristle at how everybody knew and respected that team. Not a lot of people cheered for it. Other than <laughs> people love to kind of hate the jazz. People love to hate Carl Malone. People love to hate all this stuff, but they respected it and they cared. Guess what? Guess what? How people felt about the, the, I don't know who are the Minnesota Timberwolves during that time. They didn't care about them. Nobody cared about him. When KG was on him, it was cool. That was cool. But or, or whoever, these other teams, other small market teams, now you talk about Charlotte or whatever. It's just like um, people just didn't didn't care. So I think it's yeah, they were just relevant uh, all the time, and that was really cool. No, it is. It's kind of like it's like a Mickey Mantle and the Yankees. I mean, the, these I, – I think, I think Sloan and Stockton and Malone I think they're icons that other great sport icons in certain cities that people think of. And those three names will always pop up. I think it's time to build the statue. For sure. <laughs> For sure. I think it will too. He, he was probably the thing stopping it. He probably didn't want it, but now. No. And, and it'll have the top three buttons undone on his shirt, but he'll still have a tie on. <laughs> Well, um, let's. I, I could keep talking about random stuff about him forever, but I think we should probably stop jackpotting around in his words. And why don't we keep you on, Dad, while we do a couple? Did you have a couple of social media things, Doug? Because I've got a couple that I think are good. Yeah, yeah. Um. So actually, I mean, there's there's some really good stuff. Uh, there, like 
clips compiled of all of his technical fouls that are on Twitter. There are many of them, which are fun. Two plus minutes of technical fouls. Um, oh, and I, I wanted to say, I would point people, the Salt Lake Tribune and the Deseret News have a ton of cool Jerry Sloan content right now. And Sarah Todd put an article out that was just stories of, of the fans had of interacting with him um, in real life, which was really cool. Here's here's the first one. This is the just as a very serious one, just to back up a point I was saying earlier, CBS Sports headquarters um, tweeted this jazz from 1988 to 2003 NBA rank wins and losses first 792 wins 406 losses field goal percentage first net rating of 5.1 first playoff appearances 15 tied for first I mean that's pretty pretty unassailable what do you got Doug I I really like that um mine um it's a video from Dana Green he's on the like KSL or KUTV, one of the channels, 13 or 2 or 5 in, in Utah. Um, and he posted a video of him interviewing Kobe. And this was years ago, obviously, when Kobe was still in the league. But um, he just asked Kobe what he thought about Jerry Sloan. And, and it's a video, so I'll paraphrase it. But in his response, he just said that he loves he loves Jerry Sloan, that he loves his toughness and he's the kind of person that he really wants to play with like he they just have kind of the same personality i guess in in kobe's answer and same kind of look at basketball and then dana goes so at the end of your next contract does that mean you're coming to the jazz (laughs) and kobe just laughs and said no i was talking about like team usa or an all-star game or something like that <laughs> where i would want to play for jerry but i thought it was i thought it was funny that was good yeah, i like that too they kind of have a i think they they would have got along or there it seems like they did um I've, i've this one that was pretty good ben anderson um tweeted it and it's about this jerry sloan greg ostertag story and it says Jerry tolerates little nonsense, although once in a while he let things slide. Once in the locker room at halftime, Jerry was talking to the team and said something that Greg Ostertag didn't like. Ostertag threw a bag of ice at Jerry's head. Jerry simply moved his head to one side to dodge the ice and then kept talking as if nothing happened. (laughs) That sounds awesome. That's super good. I got to tell you one. This is is media, so this isn't social social media, but this is Craig Bowerjack. And if you've ever gone to a Duke basketball game in the in the in their arena near the end of the game, they have one old man, some professor, and they call him the towel man, and he waves the towel around, and they, they show a spotlight on him near the end of the game. Then they've got another guy that's doing some aerobic exercise, some odd dance, but but their feature every game at the end of the game they'll spotlight him, and the the fans go crazy. The Utah Jazz used to have a guy, they called him the dancing man. And in one of those little half circles in the upper in the upper bowl, probably between the, the lower bowl and upper bowl, there's a guy once a game once once per game. And and he wasn't that old, but they'd spotlight him and he'd just do a crazy dance. Um, well, you know, during a timeout and they'd they'd hold a spotlight on him for thirty seconds or forty five seconds and he'd just do some crazy dance and there was a song that he would do, but it seemed like this one season he was there all the time. 
And one time on the news, Craig Bolichak interviewed while well, he was interviewing Jerry Sloan. He said, "And Jerry, what do you think of the dancing guy?" And Sloan looked at him and goes, "He's an idiot." It was just a classic Jerry Sloan moment. I mean, he he was putting up with nothing, but he just looked at he looked at Boulder Jack and said, "He's an idiot," and then he just walks off. That's yeah, so good. <laughs> and somebody there was like a question of somebody wanted to get like a tattoo of jerry's wind number or something about jerry sloan on their body and he just said it's your body do what you want or something that was pretty <laughs> cool. um and so this this also so mark stein who writes for the new york times tweeted a thing about from an old interview about greg popovich talking about how the spurs tried to model their franchise after the jazz and, and the similarities are, are are really close and then um Amin Al-Hassan, who has been on ESPN and used to work in the front office for the Phoenix Suns, retweeted that and said, in Phoenix, we definitely looked at Utah and San Antonio's model franchise, stability in the front office, continuity at head coach, and an ability to target players who fit our system year in and year out. You knew the Jazz would run the flex offense to death and would foul excessively. And uh, I, I like that, too. That's awesome. Do you have any any more? Because I've got the I've got the hammer to drop on uh, my favorite one that I could do. Well, I'm I mean, there's just a ton. I don't know. Scotty Pippen wrote like a, oh man, that was good. A eulogy to Jerry Sloan that was really long, but um, he he wrote a little snippet that I that I liked too that was paraphrased by another Bulls website that isn't like his five tweets long. But he said, "I loved everything about Jerry from the way he played to the way he coached." Jerry became one of my favorite coaches um, when he was on the 1996 Dream Team staff, and it was an honor to learn from him. But I just thought it was cool. I mean, that I mean, two of the biggest moments in Jazz history were were playing in the finals and against the Bulls. And Scottie Pippen wrote a really long kind of praise to Jerry, and so I thought I thought that was cool. Same. So well, let's hear you drop the hammer. Let me bring the hammer down because this is my this is I thought was perfect. So we started this with the with the Frank Layden quote um, that Haley read, which is just so good, and I just love it so much. And Aaron Falk, who's a local sports writer, um, and I, I believe is currently doing a podcast with Joe Ingles, uh, that people should listen yeah. to, her, but retweeted or, or tweeted that Frank Layden quote and said, "Jerry Sloan was a man." and even the strongest men die. But the next time someone sees death, capital D, that bastard will be walking with a limp. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I loved it. Um, I, Jer, Jerry was a huge part of it. I think my initial tweet said something to the effect of, you know, sometimes it's silly to feel this way about somebody you don't really know, but very few people, if anyone, who I don't know on a personal level, have had as deep of an impact on my life as Jerry Sloan. I mean, it, it, and it's, I'm super glad of it. It's been nothing but a positive one. Um, and I will say one shout out and then I'll let you guys say your closing pieces. Just um, our, our website, cowhideglobe.com. Uh, my sister-in-law Ashley had a, a blog post about a time she met Jerry Sloan that I retweeted again yesterday that really made me happy to read again uh, today too. Cause I, there's lots of stories like that just him being a super nice guy in person. And uh, yeah, so uh, rest in peace to a legend for sure. Yeah, I go, Dad. Thanks for, for letting me 
participate. Um, I, I agree with your your comments about Jerry Sloan. I just I just think he was the ultimate leader. I I think he he knew how to evaluate his talent and how to get the most out of them and how to prepare them for the next game or the next season. I just I just think he had great vision and great insight in in the sport of basketball and and he blessed he blessed the Jazz and the Miller family and and others who followed. So anyway, thank you for letting me participate. Uh, Dasvidanya. Spasiva Bolshoya. Dad, as soon as you jumped in with the Frank Layden story at the beginning, it was it was clear why you were a critical part of this and you had to be on this podcast. <laughs> oh, 100 percent Yeah. Thanks we, for being we on. We definitely needed needed you, Dad. Okay. We'll see you guys later. Thanks. All right, thanks, Dad. Doug, did you have any any last parting thing? Um, I no, I just thought that was beautiful. I was, I was honestly really fun for me to sit and think and and listen and and share a little bit as well but it sounds like dad's gone (laughs) yeah there's a good mic drop dad Dad dropped the mic on that one yeah but um i don't know for me it was just kind of like growing up and this is how basketball should be and this is how coach a good coach is and good coaches are and you know it's just fun to remember jerry didn't know that his name was Gerald. It's also spelled with a G. So that was kind of fun to learn yesterday. That's a random tidbit to close out. I'm really glad that you learned that yesterday and that that was a part of this experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're the man. Thanks for talking through this with me again. Uh, rest in peace to one of the all-time greats. Um, we love you, Jerry. Jerry.